Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, guys, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. I can't wait for today's episode. And here's the reason why. So a long time ago, I got the idea to do a podcast episode that's all about resources. And we actually might do a full episode dedicated to this later on this season. But as I audit my life over the last five to six years, there are some amazing resources that have equipped me. Now, this is a combination of books, podcasts, articles, online courses, but these things have made me into the person that I am today. And what I'd love to do at some point is to do an episode that's all about these resources where we'll take 30 to 45 minutes and I'll just kind of hit the highlights of, hey, here's the book you need to read. This is why it helped me. Here's the podcast episode. Here's the article. I just think that'd be really, really helpful. Well, today's episode is going to be working off of that theme, and we actually have a returning guest to the show, Tim Rethlick, who was the inaugural guest in episode one of the podcast. Now, if you have not gone back and heard Tim's episode in episode one, it is unreal. This guy is so thoughtful. He is a brilliant sales professional. But what we're going to be doing today is diving into a resource that has profoundly shaped his life and my life, and that's the book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, you may be thinking, oh gosh, I've heard of this book. It's just another self-help whatever. Guys, I'm telling you that the habits in this book are critical, and if you're a sales professional, these will make and break you. So what we're going to be doing is today's actually a two-part episode where in today's episode, we are going to talk about the first three habits and why they are so critical to master if you are in sales. Now, those three habits are right here. They're number one, be proactive. Number two, begin with the end in mind. And number three, put first things first. Now, we're going to jump into it with Tim, but I'm telling you guys that these habits have profoundly shaped both of our lives and have helped make us into the people that we are today. So I can't wait for you guys to hear Tim come on board and talk about that. Now, I mentioned that a couple weeks back in Dallas, Texas, I gave a presentation that was called Make It Easy, How to Sell More by Eliminating Customer Confusion. Now, for those of you that missed it in Dallas, Texas, I'm going on the road in a few weeks, and I'm going to be giving the same presentation in Denver, Colorado. So if you live in the Colorado area on Friday April 26th, I'll be presenting for the Rocky Mountain Hearth Patio and Barbecue Association. So if you want to get information on that presentation, you can go to the website rmhpba.org and you can register for the event. Now, one thing, guys, that I've been so passionate about, and it's the reason that I'm, I'm giving these presentations and it's a, it's a big heart behind this podcast too, is that most companies are confusing customers out of buying their fireplaces. It's really the truth. You know, if you're in the retail world, gosh, we confuse customers with so much stuff that just doesn't matter. We fill their heads full of BTUs, square footage, clearances to combustibles, zero clearance fireplaces, and just information that number one doesn't make sense and number two is not important for them to know. And if that sounds radical, it it kind of is. But what I'm after is helping companies make it simpler 
in the presentation, in their sales process, just to make it easier for customers to buy from them. Because the truth of the matter is that if we audit the way that our jobs go, I guarantee that most of the companies out there are losing more jobs to indecision than competition. So we want to go to work changing that. And hopefully the presentation that I'm giving along with this podcast is helping you guys move the needle and make it easier for people to buy from you. Well, anyway, without further ado, we are going to jump into today's episode. Please pay attention to these habits. These things have shaped my life and I know they can do the same for you. We'll circle back at the end and talk about it. Joining me from Minneapolis, Minnesota is a return guest to the show, and this is the guru of all things related to sales. I'm joined by my good friend, Tim Rethlake. What's up, Tim? Tim, great to be back with you again. Yeah, man. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks a ton for coming back. It's good to have you up in the Pacific Northwest again. You bet. Well, so TR, we talked a lot last time about, you know, the thoughtfulness that needs to go into a sales presentation. And there was a lot of really good feedback that we got. Your episodes was one of the most popular of last season. And uh, before we kick it off here, I wanted to talk to you. I mean, I'm I'm appreciative of you coming back here and and just being such an advocate for the show. Um, What did you take away as as you've kind of looked back on season one now? Yeah, sure. And and first off, Tim, uh, kudos to you for this labor of love that you've got going here, which is the, <laughs> the, the Firetime podcast. I mean, it's uh, when, when I tell people that uh, about what you're doing and that in one of the episodes you actually interview a direct competitor and talk about, you know, a, a coopetition sort of relationship, they just look at me like I got three heads, like really some, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's doing that for the benefit of our, of our industry. And I said, yeah, they are. And I said, unfortunately, it's one of the better kept secrets still in our industry. I'm not sure what it is about hearth people, but we are we are slow to the party, slow out of the gate when it comes to podcasting. Yeah, that's the truth. That's definitely the truth. Well, so I'm excited to have you here because one thing that we talk about a lot is the inspiration that you have for selling. And I've asked you this in the last time you're on the podcast, and I've heard you reference it before, is that people ask you what your favorite sales book is. And you give the same answer. I'm going to do my impression here. So they go, TR, you know, you're so wise and you're so old and, you know, we got to, we got to figure out what, you know, what makes you tick. So what, what book is, is, is it that I need to read? And you look at them and you say, well, of course it's the seven habits of highly effective people. And they go, no, 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 that's not a sales book. Give me a sales book. And you look at them and you go, uh, yeah, it's a sales book. So I'm excited today to jump into this, but, but before we do, why has, Seven habits meant so much to you, and what's what's it looked like in your professional journey? Well, that's uh, I, I must have given that answer a lot because you've got it down pat. Um, but I think it's it's not. Uh, you, you said I get asked that question because I'm wise and I'm old. I think it's mainly just that I'm old. Now I have I, to say I, you're I think, the one that told me you're yeah, old. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's the older you get, everybody looks for the holy grail, right? Which, yeah. What's what's the secret? How how can you have you been doing this for forty years, sort of thing? Um, but the, the, I, I, got, I first got exposed. Seven Habits uh, by, uh, of Highly Effective People by Dr. Covey was written in 1989. And I was slow to the party there as well. I, I didn't read it until probably the mid-90s. And at the time I was reading it, we were in transition. I had just had my future freed up by, at that time, Majestic Fireplace Company. Um, just had uh, accepted a position with Heat and Glow. So Justine and the girls and I were in the middle of moving uh, from Indiana to Minnesota. And so 
trend it, when we're at transitional and big inflection points in our life, I think we look for wisdom somewhere. We look for foundation. And I don't know if it was divine providence or what, but that I just, for some reason that day I walked into the bookstore, it had been on the bestsellers list. I said, must be a reason for that. Picked it up, read it cover to cover over a weekend and uh, went to the leadership of Heat and Glow and said, I, I think there is a lot in here. And I know I'm new here, but I'd like to ask permission to go be trained to facilitate this information. Wow. And so that started a path back in the late 90s. Uh, at Heat and Glow, we trained over 300 of our members on the seven habits content. And to be a facilitator, I went back for five days to what they call lovey-dovey covey land uh, <laughs> back, in, back in Utah. And I've had several opportunities to be with Dr. Covey. Uh, he, he, unfortunately, um, we lost him in July of 2012. Um, but several times been able to be with him, be in the room with him, one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations, having him lead our classes. And to say it's had a, a huge impact on my life would be a, an incredible understatement. Wow. So, I mean, we're going to jump into what these habits are, but I mean, that's a big transformation. I can, I can think about moments in my life where something something flipped inside of me where I said things will be different now because of this. And this was clearly a, a moment like that for you. But what have you taken away from the seven habits in your professional and kind of personal journey since that moment in the late 90s? Yeah, and it's you, you, you hit it right on the head when you said it's professional and personal. And we're not a different kind of person at work than we are at home. And that's why the seven habits is, is so uh, foundational and so grounding because it, it, it does address the whole person. And in a few minutes here, we'll get into the structure of it. But in a nutshell, it's self-improvement has to be an inside out, right? You have to start inside before you start worrying about your relationships that are around you. And so at a time that, uh, that I needed some regrounding and to sort of write my own personal mission statement, you know, a lot of people work for companies that have mission statements. But when you say, do you have one personally, you get sort of a blank look. And so what the seven habits did for Justine and myself and the girls is we, we developed and worked a family mission statement. I think that you hit it on the head with the mission statement that what I found personally is that when you have a mission statement, it's like a North Star that guides you. And without it, you operate in chaos. And I think the truth is that there's a lot of us that operate in chaos. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we've been. We just hope we get there fast. And, you know, I think that the mission statement, it really pulls us somewhere. I know that one of the most helpful things for me was I didn't write my mission statement until probably, gosh, it was like nine months ago. It wasn't that long ago. But even in that time, at least getting it on paper was so transformational for me because you can start to evaluate if the decisions you're making in your business and your personal life with your family are taking you to the place that you want to go to. So, okay, before we jump in, I want you to give us the sales pitch here. So this has been a lot about the personal development. So if you got a salesperson listening to this that says, hey, Tim, that's great, but you know, I don't think I need to be a Boy Scout. I just want to learn how to sell some more fireplaces. Why does this book matter for salespeople? Yeah, great, uh, great question. And it's, uh, I, I didn't realize it in the beginning when I first started reading it. I thought it was just a personal development book. Right and and shouldn't be taken any further than that. And and the more that I saw, um, the people that went through the content were exposed to the content. The more I saw saw how we interacted with each other. 
uh, I just started to realize that these are the very same principles that you need if you're going to be successful in sales. And if, if you want, I think we could, we could take a few minutes and we could click through each of the habits and then talk a little bit about why that habit specifically applies to salespeople. Let's jump in and do it. Okay, so starting out, habit number one. Oh my gosh, dude, this is like, this is one of my favorites. Habit number one is be proactive. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's the, fir- the, the first of those three. As a matter of fact, the, the habits one, two, and three. Uh, habit one is, is be proactive. Habit two is begin with the end in mind. Habit three is put first things first. Those three, if you look at them together, are called the private victory. Um, that's, that's the internal work we need to do within ourselves before we can start worrying about habits four, five, and six, which have to do with other people, right? Yeah. Think win-win, seek first to understand, synergize. That all happens when somebody else is in the room. But these first three habits are private victories, internal victories. And you're exactly right. And, and the, the, the order, part of the genius of Stephen Covey was the order of these habits. The order is incredibly important. Yeah. If and that's why be proactive is so foundational. If you don't have a proactive mindset, the other six habits don't matter. And what I define as a proactive mindset is someone that holds these two beliefs. The future can be better than the current state, and I have the power and the freedom to make it so. Wow. So the future can be, yet tomorrow can be better than today, and I have the freedom to make it so. That's a proactive mindset. And unfortunately, some people default to reactive mindsets, and it just it doesn't go very far. Oh, that, that's amazing. And, and I want to I drill down on this because, I mean, I'm just thinking so practically. I mean, I run a few different stores here in the Pacific Northwest in retail fireplace sales. And so often we think it is a reactionary business where, you know, I can't do anything until the door opens and the customer walks in. Hopefully they're serious. I'll write, up a, I'll write them up an estimate and hopefully they come back. And it is so passive. And what we have seen huge success in is in starting to take that proactive mindset. What does it mean for us to be proactive? Okay, I don't have any customers coming in the door. Who do I need to call? What's happened with my last opportunities that I haven't followed up on? Which opportunities out there are going to be my best opportunities? I mean, it's it's one of those things. There's a guy in our company that says, when there's no wind in your sails, it's time to get out the oars and start rowing your boat. And you can't do that without a proactive mindset. Yeah, ex- exactly. And in salespeople, it's interesting. You could do the if you have any uh, business leaders listening to this particular episode, they they should ask their sales teams. Just say, what what do you do? What are you paid to do here? Right. And and you're going to get some answers like, well, I'm paid to solve problems or I'm paid to sell fireplaces or inserts or whatever. Uh, salespeople, you're paid to be a change merchant. That's the business you're in. The currency you have that you can use are the products and the services in your store or in your distributorship. So we're all change merchants. And what we want to do is be able to affect change with consumers, with, with homeowners or home builders, from their current state to whatever solution they're envisioning that we can be a part of solving. And so that if, if, if you don't have a proactive mindset that, that yes, you, can, you, you have the ability to do that for people, it's just, it's, like I said, you might as well not, not spend time going to habit two if you can't get out of that first gate. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and we are going to hit on this with the personal aspect too. I mean, you think about like where problems and relationships stem from. I mean, I'm just thinking about my relationship with my wife that like, there is nothing that aggravates my wife more than when I stick my head in the sand and I am passive and I don't make decisions. I mean, nothing infuriates her more than that. Like she wants to be married to someone that is proactive. You know, they, they joke around and, they, and, and, and we always say that like, you know, it's hard to steer a parked car. And like, you got to have some momentum to do that. And that takes a proactive mindset. So this is something that like goes way deeper than just sales. Like this will affect your personal relationships and make you someone that people want to be around. People want to be around someone that is proactive, that's going somewhere. Yeah. And people want to buy from those people too. Absolutely. And and we use, when we teach seven habits, we use a computer uh, analogy for the first three habits. And habit one, be proactive, says you are the programmer. And then habit two is begin with the end in mind is write the program. And then habit three, put first things first, is run the program. So if if you're not seeing yourself as the programmer to start with, like I said, we're not going to get out. We're not going to go very far past that. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. And that's a perfect segue into the second habit. So let's, let's jump into habit number two, begin with the end in mind. You touched on that a little bit, but why is habit number two, begin with the end in mind, so critical? Um, it's, it, it, as, as we said, a lot of businesses have mission statements, but most people as individuals don't. And there's an exercise that we take um, participants through in the workshop. We call it the eulogy exercise. I wrote about it in my blog a couple months yeah, ago. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and it basically is we, we really have them think, have participants think deeply about Think about your funeral, and then who are the people that you want to have come speak at your funeral, your spouse, one of your children. And I said, if you got three or four kids, I want you to pick one name, I want specifically who. And then someone who you work with, not just in general, give me a face and a name. Who specifically from your work? Who from your church? Who from your community? And we have them get five or six people who, whose opinion of them matters, and say, now write a eulogy. What do you want them to be able to say about you at your funeral, right? So if it's a business analogy, would, would I want someone to be able to say, well, you know, T- Tim could do discounts off MSRP in his head faster than anybody else I knew. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want him to say that. First, it's not true. <laughs> Secondly, it's not what I want to be known for, right? Yeah. And what, or do I want them to be able to say, the one thing I'll say for Tim is, he never seemed too busy. If I ever asked for help, he always took the time to help me. Are those the types of things we want to be known for, right? And so then we take them through a have, do, be. So if you want to have them say that about you, what must you do in your life? And in order to do those things, what kind of person must you be? So for a salesperson, if I want to have customers who view me as a trusted advisor and as an expert, if that's what I want to have, then what must I do? Well, I've got to be honest. I've got to be transparent always. Uh, I have to have the customer's best interest at heart first. And I've got to be able to continue to perfect my craft. So if that's what I have to do, what kind of person must I be? Uh, I've, I've got to be truthful. i got to be focused on the customer's interest first, which means we'll get into another habit later about seek first to understand, then be understood. Hard one for salespeople. 
and I got to be committed to personal development. So when you start graphing that and laying that out, uh, pretty soon you end up with this mission statement that gives you a path forward in the hard moments of every day when you're not sure what decision to make or what direction to take. Refer back to your mission statement. Yeah, man, that's so good. And it's funny, the second that you started talking about this, it went through my head because you talked about about company mission statements. I want to get back there in just one second, but beginning with the end in mind is seriously so important in sales. And and this is kind of taking a detour, but I think about when a customer walks in the showroom, they don't know the difference between a zero clearance fireplace and an insert. They don't know what direct vent technology is. They don't know that someone has to come out to their house to take a look at it. They don't know there's got to be permits involved. There could be electrical gas line and framing. And so one area where we found a ton of success is actually, I, I tip my hat to StoryBrand here, is they talk about how you have to create a plan. So one of the first things that we do when we talk to people is we say, hey, you know what? Let's just take a step back and look at this job holistically. You know, here's where we're trying to get you to. We want to have this amazing product installed in your house so your family can enjoy the warmth and beauty for years to come. And here's the steps it's going to take to get there. First, today we're going to talk about the product that's going to be right. Second, we'll come out to your house to make sure everything is going to be perfect. And third, we're going to install that safely to code. And just that simple explanation of the path that you are beginning before you even show them a product, we are beginning with the end in mind. And customers love it. It's, it's in the same way that people want to be around someone that's proactive customers will, it's like a magnet. They are drawn to that clarity of what it means to finish their project because they don't know unless you explain it to them. Sure. Sure. And, and that's that, <clears throat> that begin with the end in mind that, eight, that the, the ability to paint that picture based on what you heard the customer tell you they're trying to achieve, right? Is, is so critical, and, and we'll, we'll take a little deeper dive on that when we get into seeking first to understand, yeah. which is a challenge for many of us. There you go. And, and one thing I want to hit on, too, because you, you also talked about the company mission statement, and I do want to throw a challenge out there to any company listening to this. Number one, if you don't have a mission statement, make one and make every single one of your team members memorize it. But number two is if you have a mission statement, go around to random people in the company and ask them what it is and I mean, I will give you, uh, actually, I don't want to throw out a money amount, but I will give you a lot of money if anybody knows it. Because the truth is, you know, we spend all this time making these mission statements and no one knows what it is. And so one of the most effective things your company can do is to have that mission statement, but teach it to your team, you know, make them memorize it over and over and over and over. Because if it truly is your North Star, it should be the ethos of what you do. And when your team is not sure what to do in a decision, they default back to what's the mission statement going to call me to. Yeah, and interesting, less is more, um, you know, and the reason that I think so many people struggle with, well, we did, we went through the whole mission statement exercise with our company and, you know, paid a lot of money to have it graphically, professionally produced and got it on the wall and put it on everybody, back of everybody's cards and nobody knows it. And you look at it and it's nine, 10, 11 sentences long. Yeah. Well, Nostradamus won't remember that mission right. statement, right? And so... It's, it, it's kind of like uh, a personal mission statement. When I first wrote mine, when I went through Seven Habits with Sue back in the, the mid-90s, it was like five pages. You know, I, I was going to find the cure for cancer. We were going to settle <laughs> yeah. all the Mideast. I was going to be the, the best dad, the best every, everything, right? And over the years, my personal mission statement has distilled down to just one page that's in my day timer that I look at when I do my weekly planning every week. 
And over time, a good mission will distill down. It's kind of like cooking, right? Yeah. If you keep reducing a sauce down, there's less of it, but it's richer. So if you can get your mission statement as a business owner, if you can get your mission statement for your people to remember, not down to th- three, four, five, six sentences, but down to three, four, five, six words mm-hmm. that are the guiding principles that they go, what does that word mean? Integrity in the moment. Oh, okay. I know what that means. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's really, really good. And I think too, you know, people people want to be taken somewhere. And as, as a company and as a business leader, we underestimate how important vision is and begin with the end in mind is all about vision. It really is. You know, there's a wise man about 3,000 years ago that said, without vision, the people perish. And that's, that's the truth is that um, vision will leak. And so you always have to be refilling it and refilling it and refilling it. But when people have a vision and they buy into it and they know where they're going, it is unbelievable the success that you're going to have in your business. Sure. And, and, and that gives them that guiding principle because if, as a business owner, it, you know, culture is often described as, is what, what, do, what, is, what, does your, what do your people do when you're not there? And so as a business owner, you shouldn't want to or need to be there all the time. And so the mission statement can be that guiding principle to keep the, it can be the guardrails to keep people on the road uh, as when, when you're not there all the time. There you go. All right. So next habit, jumping into habit number three. Put first things first. Man, Tim, let's talk about that. What's it mean to put first things first? Yeah, that's uh, for, for all of us, and, and I'm, I'm guilty as charged uh, as anyone listening to this uh, because salespeople really struggle with self-management because we don't have a structured job. Um, a past HNI uh, board member once made a statement that watching a room full of salespeople is like watching a room full of monkeys. Every act is random. <laughs> and un- unfortunately, the reason that's funny is because there's some truth to it. Yeah, there is. Um, and it's a super critical skill for salespeople of, of having a skill of self-management within time management. Uh, my, my friend Dave Scott always says, make sure you're spending time with the customers that deserve it, not the ones that demand it. And so that's one of those things that says easy does hard. Yeah. Um, and even knowing which customers, what, what, of all the things I could do today, and, and you know, we, we've got probably two different kinds of salespeople that will be listening to this episode. We may have outside sales reps that are selling hearth products to builders. That is very proactive. Most sales reps I know, outside sales reps, you get to control your own schedule. You don't have an owner or a manager that says, well, on Tuesday, I want you to go see, you know, Reed's Custom Homes. And on Wednesday, I want you to go see, you know, D.R. Horton. It it doesn't work that way. And so you control your own day. And so you need to be very proactive. If you're a retail salesperson, you are reactive when a customer walks in or a customer calls in, now you're reacting to, to that customer, to them initiating something with you. For all of the rest of your time, you need to be proactive. And I know that in your business, that's something you really drill on and try and have cadence and process around is what can, what can and should we be doing as retail sales professionals in the hearth industry when the customer is not in front of us? What does is, what is good follow-up look like? What is, what is right? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that. That's a great comment about spend time with the customers who deserve it, not demand it. And I'm just convinced. I mean, and I'm so glad you talked about knowing the difference between your opportunities. That's essentially what you were saying. And, and we have found so much success. And I mean, it's like the simplest system, but we, we grade our estimates. 
A, B, C, D, F. If it's an F, it doesn't get bid. Okay, a D, man, probably shouldn't get bid, but some of them still do. But if you've got a list of opportunities out there and you're trying to figure out, you know, which ones, I've only got so much time in the day. So if I'm going to do a ton of follow-up, if I'm going to really baby this job from cradle to grave, am I going to do that on my C and D opportunities? No way. I'm spending my time on the A and the B opportunities, the jobs that are low risk, low time, high profit versus things that are high risk, high time, and low profit. And I think that the truth of the matter is if you ask most salespeople and you say, hey, of all your opportunities in the last three months that are still open, which ones are your best opportunities? I think most salespeople couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair. I'd agree with that. And so putting first things first is saying, hey, I've got, you know, 30 minutes before we open today, or I've got you know, 30 minutes before my meeting with this contractor. What can I do to, again, put first things first, making sure that I invest that time with my best opportunities? Yeah. And 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 Dr. Covey's time matrix is four quadrants where he talks about the difference between important and urgent is probably the most, I won't say the most ripped off, but it's the most benchmarked portion of seven habits because you see people referring back to his matrix constantly. And, and there's, uh, you know, one of the classic... Uh, Stephen Covey videos is with him and a young woman at the time named Elizabeth, who he brought up from the audience, and it's the big rocks um, exercise. Why don't you explain that? This is so critical for people that haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it, it and and perhaps we can find uh, uh, there's there's a couple public links so we can maybe put the link out there too when, yeah. when this episode. I'll, I'll goes. link to this and the time quadrant in the show notes. Yeah, that that'd be great. But basically, he he gives Elizabeth a bucket that's full of gravel. And then on the table are several large rocks, you know, that would, if you pick one up, it's going to fill the palm of your hand. And it's things in there like um, an important client that if you don't get back to them right now, you know, it's going to be an issue. It's things like personal time for planning, um, family time, uh, community, church, um, uh, delegating, coaching, training. It's all the things that are important, but not necessarily urgent. And so his, the, the challenge he gives Elizabeth is now you got to get the big rocks. Here's your bucket. Here's your week. And you got this gravel in there, all the stuff that happens, the whirlwind that we talked yeah. about that we all work in. Yep. He says, you got to get all this in there. And so she, she labors mightily for probably three or four minutes in this video of trying to get those in there. And she, you know, she's trying to move the gra- dig the gravel around and bury a rock. And it's just, you can tell it's just, it's a fool's errand. It's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work for her. And he says, now you can think about things differently. So he gets another bucket out from under the table and gives her an empty bucket and says, you, you can look at this in a totally different way. You can change your paradigm, to use his term, change the way you see it. And so she said, well, then I want to put my big rocks in first. And she takes all those rocks, puts them in the empty bucket, then dumps the gravel in, shakes the bucket a little bit. The gravel falls between the big rocks and it all fits. And the punchline, of course, is... You have to know what's important to you and get those on your calendar for the week coming up and prioritize those because the gravel is always going to come at us. That's the whirlwind and will always be there. And so, but if you don't, if you don't prioritize your time, somebody else is going to. And that somebody else probably doesn't have your interest in mind as much as you have your own interest in mind. 
You're absolutely right. And you know what I just keep thinking about with this in the way that it relates to salespeople, I mean, it goes back to big rocks. I think it also goes to the time quadrant that you were talking about where Dr. Covey talks about the difference between um, high importance, low importance, high urgency, and low urgency. And we all know the difference between those things in our lives. And as salespeople, how often do we spend time replying back to CCs on emails that really have no concern for us. We spend time organizing our inbox and deleting things when we've got a list of A-level customers that need to hear from us. And you think about, man, is it better to make three phone calls or to waste you know, an hour and a half in my inbox? Man, I would take those three phone calls with A-level opportunities over the stuff that doesn't matter any day of the week. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Okay. So we're through the third habit. TR, this has been unbelievable. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take a break and hit pause and we're going to jump into next week habits 4 through 6. But before we go, what you talked about initially is that habits 1 through 3 are on the inside. This is internal work. And if we want to win, you got to go to work on yourself here. You know, if if you're someone who is proactive, you are actively seeking things out. Like you said, you believe that the future tomorrow can be better than today and that you have the power to do something about it. If you do that, if you begin with the end in mind, you know where you're going. You have an idea of how to get there. You know, it reminds me of that phrase that, you know, everybody ends up somewhere, but only a few people get there on purpose. You know, it's beginning with the end in mind. And then lastly, if you put first things first, what are the essential things that must get done? And I make sure I do those things first. I think you're going to set yourself up for some, for some serious success. What do you think? I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you, you knew we weren't going to get through this episode without you hearing these three words, but slow is fast. Amen. And, and this internal work is not something that you can rush. And uh, it's, it's the, 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 there's, a, there's an exercise that I'll occasionally do when I'm leading a group, and, and I'll pair them up. And I'll say, I, I said, you get, you got to think about this a little bit, but I want you to introduce yourself to that person as if it was 10 years ago. So if, if I was to do that, right, my daughters would be, um, they would be 21 and 18 and 15, right? They wouldn't be 25, 28 and 31 as they are now, right? And I would have a different job and we would be in a different house. And so I said, okay, so now introduce them as you are today. And then answer a question. Did you get from there 10 years ago to where you are today intentionally? Or did the river just sort of bring you here? Did you just drift with the current to where you are? And I let them think about that for a little bit. And I said, now, final step of the exercise, introduce yourself 10 years from now. Where are you going to be? Wow. What will you have done? Right? And then the question is, are you going to get there if you just follow, follow the current, or are you going to have to swim a little bit? And so that's what these first three habits can put you in a mindset of the, being able to see yourself doing that. And, and see, do, get is one of the principles that Stephen teaches, one of the foundational principles to seven habits. So that, that's probably a good way to wrap up that first internal inside victory. TR, that is some amazing wisdom, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on next week to talk about the rest of the habits. Thanks so much for your time. Wow. I hope you guys got as much out of that conversation as I did. Holy cow. I mean, you know, first of all, Tim Rethlake is just great. He's got so much wisdom. 
But these habits that we are talking about, I'm telling you guys, they will move the needle for you. I mean, think about what these are. Habit number one, be proactive. This is the only way that people have success in life. It piggybacks on the famous quote by Leonardo da Vinci where he says, it had long come to my attention that people of accomplishment rarely sat back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened two things. Guys, this is the truth is that if we want to get anywhere in our sales career, in our personal lives, we have to be proactive. I'm telling you, our culture is a reactive culture. We don't go out and do things. We react and we complain when things don't go our way. Man, we got to be proactive. The second habit, begin with the end in mind, is so important. You know, I talk about this whenever I teach sales. So our team has a seven-step sales process that we go through with customers. And I mean, I'm the I'm not a micromanager. It's the furthest thing from my mind. But the way that I look at sales is like this. You know, I mean, I live in Portland, Oregon. And if I talk to one of my coworkers and I say, I want you to drive to New York. And by the way, you can't use a map. Well, you know, they might get there. I mean, intellectually, they know that New York is somewhere over there, but they've got no clue on the route to get there. And the truth of the matter is that there is a route to get to New York. Now, sales is the same way. There is a route to get to the end of the sale. And so what we do is we begin with the end in mind. What's the outcome that we want? And then let's work our way backwards to figure out the steps we need to take to get there. And I'm just going to tell you guys, this is how I live my life. When I think about the podcast, I think about, okay, what's the end goal? What do I want to be true at the end of this podcast season? Okay, if that's the case, who are the guests that I need to book? Now, if that's the case, that means that I need to carve out time this week, this week, this week, and this week. But it always starts with that beginning with the end in mind. When you do that, you will be amazed at how many people will follow you because most people are driving with their eyes closed. They have no idea where they're going. So when you're the kind of person that knows what the end goal is, people rally to you and you'll find yourself getting promoted and having success. I fully believe that. The third habit, put first things first. I mean, it's so intuitive, but after we've began with the end in mind, you got to put first things first. What are the most important steps to get there? And I'll tell you, this is something that I struggle with and I got to have laser focus to accomplish this. But how often is it that you know there's something really big and important that you need to get done in order to accomplish your goal, but instead you distract yourself with stupid things that don't matter? You know, replying to emails that you have no business replying to, you were just CC'd on them, managing your inbox. You know, you find random things to tidy up or straighten up in your office when you know you got to make that difference phone call. You know, putting first things first is just unbelievable. You know, every week on Sunday night, I do a weekly review where I take a look at my last week and was I effective? Was I not? What were the big things that I set out to accomplish? Did I get them done or not? Then I look at the upcoming week and I audit all my time. And I I do this in a handwritten journal as I audit all my time. What am I doing this day? What am I doing this day? What are the big things that I got to accomplish this week? And where am I going to put them? Because the truth of the matter is that if you don't prioritize your time, someone else will. Putting first things first allows you to be in a position where you can be effective.
Now, I hope that this content was great for you. If you have any questions about this, please hit me up. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. And I can't wait for you to hear next week's episode where we dive into habits four through seven. Guys, I know that this can help you win in your personal lives, in your career, with your coworkers. Everyone wants to be around people that are living intentionally. And that's not very often in this country. So with all that said, I hope you have a great rest of your week. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.